Good evening, Monadnock Region, and welcome to another hour-long special time in the Space Lounge. This is GoMo Tonight, the region's only locally-focused weekly comedy podcast. I'm your host, Chris DiLoretto, here with my now one and only co-host... Zoe Roden-Heinzman. Yes, yes, welcome. This is our our first episode, um, officially, without Sam. Um, R.I.P. Um, see you on the other side. Just kidding. Everyone's not. He's not dead. Um, nor is he dead to us, uh, actually. Um, but we did. So today, this is um, uh, Thursday, the 29th of September, when we're recording this. And so today was the day that we actually announced to the world um, that Sam would be leaving. Of course, last week we recorded um, the podcast. So we released the podcast episode today. Released a, a warm, a warm statement of, of thank you and goodbye. If you haven't read it, check it out. It's on the website. Um, but uh, yeah, so two of us in the space lounge. We're like, like we promised last week. We're going to start bringing in some guest hosts to join us um, for episodes, and it's going to be especially interesting because we're going to um, we're going to bring them in from in in many cases around the country and outside of the region and. We'll ask them to comment on on our local affairs just as we do, and I uh, I think that they'll probably have some interesting things to say. So you can look forward to that starting next week. Um, as for this week, uh, Zoe just put a heater on. I did. It's cold. It, it's not the first time either. I confess, I'm not one of those people that like tries to extend it to the last possible minute. So I haven't sitting here shivering. So yeah, and and I'm not really either um, because I don't believe in like being cold for frugality's sake. I don't. It's it's one of those things I don't have in common with New Englanders. Um, But I haven't done it yet. But so I so this this room that I'm in is the is the downstairs in my house, and I work down here all day long, and (laughs) earlier I'm I'm sitting down here and I'm freezing, you know. And so I go and I just check on, you know, the thermostat to see what temperature it says, you know, and it's 67. And I'm like, oh, yeah, nice. That's like about usually what I set it to in the wintertime. And so I'm like, nice. This is how freezing I get to be for like the next six months out of the year. Sweet. You know, and like, actually, like, it's not. That's not really a matter of frugality either, because I also. (laughs) I hate being cold, but I also really hate artificial heat and, mm. and I hate being too warm from it because it's already making me dehydrated and everything. So what happens is I will be like, Oh my God, I'm freezing. And I'll turn the, the thermostat up to like 69 or 70. Right. But, and I'll feel better, but within 20 minutes or so I'm, I'm like too hot, you know? And it's like, I mean, I can feel myself becoming a raisin. And drying out, you know, and I don't even have wood heat guys with wood heat, man. I don't know. Like you must be in possession of like the Northern blood. You know what I mean? Because I can, I have blessed oil. Thank God. Um, because I just find oil and I mean, wood and wood pellets to rapidly turn me into a prune. It's like the, um, what are those? What do you call them? Uh, how, how do you do that? How do you dry, How do you um, dehydrate fruit? Is it a dehydrator? Like, isn't yeah, there? A, yeah. 
Is that what it's called, the dehydrator? Yeah. That's what, that, to me, when I go into somebody's house and I spend more than an hour there and that's how they heat it, I by the time I leave, I it's as though I've gone through the Sahara, you know, and I'm like, you know, um, um, this isn't the Sahara, this is a different desert, but I'm like Lawrence of Arabia, you know, like attacking like Aqaba or whatever from the desert, like no one's ever done, you know, like that's that's what I feel like I've survived when I leave your house. If you if you heat it predominantly with wood or a wood product, so I have oil and I still feel like I'm turning into a raisin. If I turn it up any higher than a temperature that, like to me, also sort of feels like you know, like subsistence level of of mm-hmm. it's a God. But I'm not gonna. I, we're gonna get through the winter this year and in stride. Yes, it's still fall though, so you can com- get your get your complaints out again. In fact, but, <laughs> but we're turning the heat on and that's what, that's just what gets me is I'm like, wow, already. I have to say, so we have the elect, the heat pump mini splits. Yeah. Yeah. And so it like is, has, is this just like warm softness coming? I'm already warm. It doesn't yeah. dry me out. I'm really into really? it. Love huh. that. Love that. You have more northern heat. blood than I do though. You know what I mean? I don't think you dry out as easily. Are you kidding me? Yeah, I'm serious. I'm, it's like this is like a really severe thing. I like, yeah, maybe it's more severe, gross, but, but like, I, like, I like, am not comfortable. When we turn that heat on, I will lose the ability to poop. Like that's how dehydrated I get immediately. Like, I'm not going to comment on my bodily function. I'm going to need supplements as soon as we turn the heat on because it's. It just, it removes the way. No, what I'm really going to do though, um, is I'm going to put humidifiers everywhere. Yes. Well, yeah, I can't, I can't sleep in the winter without a human. I can't breathe without it. We, my we skin, usually have one in the bedroom. My skin, it's like, I'm, my skin just starts flaking off. It's so disgusting. Yeah. yeah that's what happens. But so yeah. we always have one in the bedroom, but not usually in like the living spaces. And like, I need to be like in it. I need to yeah. be in the moisture all the yeah. time. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to try that. We're going to hope that it, you know, um, keeps me from complaining. It also makes it feel warmer when there's more moisture in the air. Okay. But, that's good like to know. That, that whole Southern saying, like, it's not the heat, it's the humidity. Like, that's, it's true. That's a real thing. Yeah, sure. It is. That is true. That goes for, like, the 60s, 70s, too. Yeah, that's just what you don't usually, th- you know what I mean? You don't usually think about it in the lower temperatures like that. Yeah. But it is, yeah, God, man. And it's like, even right now, never mind. Um, I'm not going to make that, I'm not going to make a hurricane joke. Um, but um, the, it's tough to want to be a snowbird right now, though, because, um, you know, you see what happens sometimes with the hurricanes. Um Although my aunt Linda down in, um, where does she live? She lives somewhere near West Palm beach. It, it didn't go. It didn't, it like missed them. It like, oh. it like totally went above them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I messaged her. I messaged her the other day and she's like, Oh yeah. Well, like it, it hadn't even hit Florida yet. And I'm not sure that they knew that it was going to miss West Palm beach yet, but maybe, maybe they did. I don't know. It was always kind of pointing like this. So, um, she was like, yeah, it's fine. Yeah, we're, f-. I mean, she never flees. Like she, ne- she never evacuates. Yeah. She's, she's not from there either. You know, she's from here. Um, and she's like, yeah, we're going on a cruise on Saturday. 
of the Eastern Caribbean. And I was like, oh, good for you. You know, she's just, you know, very unconcerned about it. So she's, she's doing well. So it's not like an automatic death sentence. Yeah. Well, the trajectory of this one is kind of funny too, because it's heading right for my parents in South Carolina, which they yeah, usually they usually don't get. You know, they it, where they live in the upstate of South Carolina, bands from the hurricane will sometimes come through mm, and like bring a distinct like, type of yeah. weather. It's like, oh, it's a hurricane band, but this time right. they are getting the wind. Like hit, yeah. They're getting hit, and they're you know what my mom said. You're gonna love this. I called her today and I was like, you know, are you guys getting anything from the hurricane yet? And she's like, well, the pine trees are like shaking a lot, but we really need the rain. And I was like, yeah. even a hurricane. <laughs> Some people would. really want that rain. I mean, that's a good point. It could be like the hurricane of 38 and Peterborough floods downtown. Right. And people would be like, we needed, we needed the rain. This, you don't understand. We had a drought earlier this year and, this will help. This will be good. Aquifer is all charged up now. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's ruined, but um, the ground is has enough water in it for sure. Um, so <laughs> we have, though, we have had a fair amount of rain. Um, not so much in the last few days, um, but last week it rained a bunch. And hmm. I don't know. I feel like the the droughters. That's like, I'm going to start calling that the droughters. Um, the droughters have calmed down a little bit. Um, which is nice. There's a few it's people nice. in my neighborhood even getting a little like lawn watering in. Oh, you know, yeah. shame free again. Is it is it legal? Probably. I you know what? I did not stop to count what day it yeah, was. I don't know. We don't <laughs> want to defy the decrees of Seth McLean. Well, he can come scope <laughs> them out if he cares. <laughs> I'm not I gonna rat on my neighbors. I'm not a <laughs> I'm not asking for addresses. (laughs) Seth never listens anyways. Um, So so as to avoid liability. Um, (laughs) Oh God. Yeah, but it's cold. It's, um, it feels like there's a lot of things in flux. Um, Some are probably good things. Some, Maybe not. Some are just maybe like the neutral change that is inevitable with time in the passage of seasons from one to the other. Um, but there do like there do seem to be a lot of people who have said something about it to me recently, like hmm. who have just like exclaimed, "There's a lot that's changing right now." So I don't yeah. know. Oh yeah, I think it's people like a, that there is. It's more than usual. It's, I don't think it's, I don't think it's just, you're right. I don't deep down. I don't really think it is um, just the the seasonality or whatever. There's some weird stuff in the air. Um, You know, if it it hadn't become a cliche thing, I would be like the vibes are off, but like now that's like a, they've ruined that phrase. So sometimes it's still the right phrase though. Yeah, the vibes are off, guys. The vibes are off. It is the right phrase. Um, I don't mean it in its like 2022 colloquialism, but it's um, it's the right phrase. So, like, what? But I don't know. I don't know. I don't know where it's going, and okay. I don't know what's going. I, I feel like this is like one of those, like, all right, you know, hold on to the sides of the ship, kind of thing, you know. Um, 
yeah, we don't know what's up. Like um, Atlas Pyrotechnics, no longer a New England-owned company. Um, feels like it's part of it. Um, my phone is blowing up with multiple alerts because Trevor Noah is leaving The Daily Show after seven years. A show Julio that is dead. Stopped being relevant 15 years ago. Is getting a new host. Um, um, yep, Coolio. Um, yeah, Coolio. Um, he deserved better. He deserved better. Um, that's all. That's all I can really say about that. Obviously, the Queen. Queen is dead. Um, Four Winds Farm, uh, it's right up the street from me. Is apparently word on the street is. Being there's, yeah, there's no there's no more milk. There's at least one empty freezer, and I've heard that they're they're packing up shop and moving to Puerto Rico. Which good for them, retiring, getting out of here. It's because they stopped placing AgEx listings that this happened. It's a direct. Link. Just kidding, but no, I think a, I think the move to Puerto Rico is a is a good one for them than the one that they I'm want. Sure no, I'm sure, I'm, I'm sure it is. I'm, I'm just making <laughs> jokes. But if you're a farm, you should advertise with us so that the same fate doesn't happen to you. I mean, unless you want to go to Puerto Rico. Um, All the farmers <laughs> are like, now we're staying. If we don't advertise with you, we get to retire. To Actually, the, the way that it works is if you want to go to Puerto Rico, you have to advertise with us for a while and then just like slowly trail off. And before mm. you know it, you'll be in the Caribbean. Perfect. Dodging hurricanes. Um, you know, I was, I, I was alarmed to hear the news though, because it's a very pretty farm and it has, it has just a nice vibe. It basically controls like the top of a hill, um, a, a rather large hill. And, um, you know, I, I mean, I was, I was also alarmed because I mean, I'm like, it's like the name of the fucking street, like it's four winds farm road, you know, but as Zoe pointed out to me, like four winds farm was an entity that existed. It's the name of that land like so it existed before the current owners I, it doesn't appear that they've sold to a, an existing entity that is bringing a farm immediately though right no, no one i knows, really right? i don't know the the person i heard i heard the news from um doesn't didn't seem to think that there was anyone coming in yeah it's a shame. right away it's a shame next thing you know there's going to be um Workforce housing up there. No. <laughs> that goes in a totally different direction from where I was going. But I guess the same general theme, right? We're worried about the neighborhood going downhill, right? And I'm <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm sitting here like, no, God, no, we can't. I'm like, now I'm like the people on Union Street being like, oh, my God, they can't build anything up there. My house isn't going to be worth pennies. You know, like I'm <laughs> They're stealing my retirement. Oh my God. But, um, I mean, I will say, unlike the spot on Union Street where they want to build apartments, it might become less beautiful up there if they built a large apartment building than the way that it is right now. I don't think that's a stretch to say. I don't think that's too, is that too bourgeois to say that? Is it too bourgeois to like find mountain vistas beautiful? I don't know. I'm not even one of those people that's like, we should never develop the wilderness. You know what I mean? Like, and we should never build houses on mountains and stuff. 
I'm just saying, you know, I mean, because it is developed up there and it's developed very beautifully. And I just feel like to turn it into just an apartment block might be a shame. But I guess, you know, maybe I'm being a nimbier in that regard. I'm not going to protest it if somebody wants to do that. You know, I'm not going to go to the meetings and, you know, uh, be like, I'm not in a butter, but I still have a steak because I live at the bottom of the hill and I walk up there and I don't want those people living here. Um, I will not do any of that. Um <laughs> <laughs> I guess I would just prefer it if it kept being a farm. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, and well, I know that, that's nostalgic and impractical, but I there was something really comforting to me though that you know there was a farm a mile away, like where I could buy eggs and meat, and you know I bought eggs from them today because I got bared mm-hmm. and lost half my chickens. You know, it's nice to know that I could go go a mile down the road and get those things. And I did many have done so many times. And that's like, that's weird to think about that not being there. Yeah. That's, I want someone else to come in like at Harlow's (laughs) who's going (laughs) to care about the place and keep it slash make it what it needs to be. Um, in the case of Harlow's restore it, uh, to what it needs to be. Um, we all know there's a problem over there, guys. I don't, I mean, is it, I mean, I still, I, I still always like, I make Harlow's jokes. Like I'm like, I'm saying this big sacrilege thing, but like, come on, like everybody knows at this point that the, the place is a shell. It's a disaster of, of what it used to be. It's lost, it's lost the mandate of heaven. It's lost its spiritual core. Um, it's lost its staff. It's like, you know, like it's uh, like, what do they got in there? There's nothing when there's left to tables do. Tables on the stage. When when tables on the stage. On the stage. Tables on it's the stage. It's never going to be right until that is rectified. Mm-hmm. As as a first step. Yeah, and you know, there's there's rumors about that too. That that's in the works and all that stuff. And I would like to see it come to pass. It's for the good of everybody, um, in my opinion. But I'm right. Um, I didn't mean to qualify. I hate when people say that. It's not just my opinion. It's correct. Um, it, it would be in everyone's best interest for, uh, there to be music in Harlow's again, um, for it to really become the center of the downtown that it once was. Um, it's, it's really sad. It's just sad. I, the unfair part of this comparison is to Four Winds Farm because Four Winds Farm has not entered into any decline. The current owners who are leaving didn't like hollow out the spirit of the farm before they left. <laughs> like, you know, however, however, though, one could argue that if they did not make this move right now, right, their hearts have chosen to, to move on, allegedly, to Puerto Rico. If they decided not to follow that, you know, mm-hmm. that's what happens. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like when you, when you hang on too long, like that, you, you lose the mandate of heaven. Like that's, you know, mm-hmm. not the culturally appropriate, but I think it's relevant. Um, and so I applaud them for, for understanding timing. And, and even though I I am very much like an institutionalist, like everything that exists must be kept going, you know, but, um, there, there's another side to that, which is that sometimes there is a a time and a place for stepping away and, um, it shouldn't be taken lightly. And I don't think it is in this case. And in this case also, as with Harlow's, there's, I, I'm still crossing my fingers that, you know, something will work out. Somebody will want 
either to like live on a fake farm or to actually have another working farm there. You know, I would accept the fake farmer. Um, I suppose, but I liked it that there were cows up there. Yeah. Gra- in the grass fed, grass fed cows, grass fed really lamb. Yeah. Yeah. And we won't get to foster another lamb this spring. I, I was know. Kind of looking forward to that. Yeah, so we got to have a, have a lamb at her house. In it, was my kitchen. Kind of, it, was, it was very cute. Very, very cute. I do. And then I, I got to I, give it back. That I like sheep nice. and goats. Do. They're good. I don't know. I get a good vibe from them. But, um. <laughs> but they, yeah, they won't be up there anymore. Unless well, there is. The sheep have been gone for a while. I haven't seen the sheep in a bit. I don't know where the sheep have They've gone to. They sold them. They sold them. They sold them. They've been selling everything. You missed yeah. your chance to get one. I never wanted one. I just wanted someone else <laughs> to have them up the street. Uh, yeah, S- same. Really, I'll take one for three weeks at a time when it's a baby. That's that's yeah. All no, they, right. And that was a very nice little little treat, I think, to be able to it would, um, yeah. be able to do. But, um, so. Yeah, I mean, I forget where I was going with that, but these are all things that are changing. Atlas Fireworks, for the record, we just kind of glossed over that, but Pennsylvania has come in to buy it. Um, Not the state, but a company in Pennsylvania. Um, What was the name of it? Something funny. Pyrotechnica. Pyrotechnica. Uh, Very exotic sounding um, company coming in. They're actually retaining all of the staff. And basically keeping the office open and all of the New England infrastructure there. And actually, the original family is continuing to own the Atlas Fireworks stores. Um, so oh, okay. um, when when we go and shoot fireworks off on my lawn, which happens a few times a year, um, the uh, we're still actually patronizing the, the OG Atlas folks. Um, but the rest okay. of them will be with... Pyrotechnica. So just like the shows. Or yes. What? Okay. Yes, but same staff though. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Same staff, just different ownership. Um, basically. Um, they, you know, basic. The impression that I got from the article is that Pyrotechnica is the same kind of company, just down in Pennsylvania, and they are looking to grow as many companies do through mergers and acquisitions. And this is how they're they're buying the New England market basically by buying Atlas um, fireworks. So good for them. They, I'm sure they're nice. At least it's somebody in the Northeast. You know, um, I, I, I'm mostly okay with Pennsylvania. Um, and like I said, they're keeping all the staff. It's still going to be a very locally run thing. So I did just want to be clear. Anybody's panicking about. Um, we're, we're losing our fireworks. Nope. It's still going to be a Jaffrey office. And, you know, like I said, in fact, I think, I think one of the, exi- so like the, the family that owns Atlas is being bought out of ownership, but one of the executives is a family member. She's like a daughter or a daughter-in-law or something. And she's staying on, I believe in that executive position after the acquisition. Mm-hmm. So even some of the management that is family connected is not leaving. So don't despair. Um, but it still just seems like a big shift. I mean, Atlas is a is a big deal in the world of explosives and um, and fun explosions, which all fun people like, um, and only unfun people dislike. And I don't care about your dog. Um, 
and uh, you know they, they are they are they're an institution throughout New England. You know they do they do some of the biggest shows all around. Um, they may even have a hand in Boston's Fourth of July. I, I want to say um, they you know they're they're the big dog. Um, and so I guess congrats for for Pennsylvania for bagging it. But um, and they they've been in that position for for decades. So um, Trevor Noah not for decades, only about seven years. Um, you know when the Daily Show was good? I'll tell you when the Daily Show was good. When Craig Kilborn was the host of it in like 1997, um, because he was mean. In fact, I was I was I really liked it when I was in middle school. I liked his humor and his style, and I could. All these years have gone by, and. You know, John Stewart made it a totally different thing, and of course, there was that moment when we all loved John Stewart. Like, I'm sure there's some people out there who are pure enough that they can say that that never happened to them. But like, and I was on the edge. I never really. I was never a big watcher. You know, I'm on the edge. I don't know. There was a time for his program, though. It had a moment mm -hmm. in the sun. It had a big moment in the sun. Very shining moment. Um, was never really my thing, but I was reading an article. Uh, it was a recent article. I forget, forget, might have been New Yorker or something. I don't know. Um, that was like revisiting John Stewart, and it was maybe it was like Daily Beast or I don't know. I don't remember. But he was talking about how he's got this new show on HBO, and it's like Wicked Fucking Lame. And the author's kind of like, you know, it's kind of him a little bit though, you know, and like his moment is passed and like, but w the reason I even bring it up at all is to say that when they referenced, they were just kind of telling the broad strokes history of the daily show. And so Craig Kilborn gets this mention and they described him as being meaner than Jon Stewart. And I was like, yeah, that's what it was. That's what it was. That's why it was better because he was meaner. And like, I don't know, Jon Stewart was just, like lily livered like i mean yeah he's so funny and he calls tucker carlson a dick that was the main point of the article though is that like there was that huge john stewart's biggest moment in like 2004 going on crossfire and calling tucker carlson a dick and like cnn cancels crossfire like a month later right um but the article's like yeah and then history you know time goes on and tucker carlson and, and they, they were kind of like tucker Tucker, Tucker Carlson being lampooned in this like more or less like straight establishment red and blue debate format gave birth to the Tucker Carlson that was to come. Right. Mm -hmm. And they're like, now he is, he's basically like, <laughs> they're sort of saying that like he has sort of taken John Stewart's advice when John came on the daily show and was like, you guys are full of shit. Like you don't stand for anything and all this stuff. And he's, you know, gone way out and, and stood for a lot of things. Sometimes he's right about things though, for the record, I'm not afraid to say that. Um, but, but the, the kicker though, is that the nightly audience that he gets is like exponentially higher than John Stewart ever got at his height. You know, oh, it's wow. like, it's like, it like dwarfs it, you know? It's like John Stewart got like, I don't know, maybe a sixth of what Tucker Carlson pulls in five right. nights a week. Just boom, 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 boom. And I don't know. I just always thought the guy was a loser. He, when he really pissed me off was, 
I want to say it was like 2010 or 2011 when he thought he was really clever. Him and the other asshole Colbert, um, when they did their rally for sanity or whatever. I was just about to bring that up. Yeah, that was yeah. Agreed. If you can imagine, if you can imagine me doing this, that had me like in conniptions. Like I was like so just flabbergasted at how because what I felt even in that moment when I was like perhaps even slightly less disillusioned than I am now. Right. But still, but, but, but also in some ways more radical than I am now, which is a weird combination. Right. But I felt that like, look, there's these two dudes and like, they're having their moment, right? Like they they are at such a peak that they can call for like a rally on the national mall. Right. And it happens and they choose to have a rally for nothing. Like it was right. like, it was for like, it was like, we're going to gather these people here. Like it wasn't, it was just substanceless. It was air. It was so, it was the worst, like it was a sin. It was a sin. It was like one of the worst things. Like it was malpractice with that power that they had with the moment that they had. Like it was, it goes beyond the word squandering, you know, like it, it was, <laughs> It was a crime, like, you know, and like people were like, oh, my God, it's so brilliant. Look what he's saying about the way we have our political discourse. And if we could just be like, hey, man, that's bullshit. We do common sense. It'll be fine. That I'm glad that no one's still saying that, you know, people are saying other in some cases, worse things, you know, <laughs> it hasn't gotten better since worse. then, but I'm glad we don't have to do that one anymore, you know, yeah. because that was stupid and it was I wrong. I don't think I watched another episode of his show after that. That turned me off so I'm much. I'm sure I didn't. Yeah, I'm, so I'm positive bad. I didn't. Like I said, I was never a big watcher of it, you know, um, you know, the late Bush years were a time we were all on a lot of drugs. We were grasping at straws. We were looking for hope in strange places. And, and sometimes that was in liberal comedy. Uh, as the kids True. would say, cringy as that is. Um, Wait, do they say cringy or do they just are like, that was cringe? cringe. Yes. I, I, yes. Cringe. I'm not going all the way. I'm not going all the way. Cause I refuse. Cause I have dignity. But, um, I, <laughs> um, yes, that is in retrospect, it's very cringe. Um, but God, the aughts, the aughts, the aughts were a time though, man. Um, it's really kind of funny, actually. Um, I, I think about this sometimes and I think it's increasing in awareness over the last couple of years, you know, probably since we've entered like the 2020s. Um, but going through the aughts, it felt very definitionless, you know, mm -hmm. and like with not a lot and like still to this day, like you can't really point out to me, like what was the fashion of the aughts, you know, like, you don't think? I mean, that was like, there was a, there was a contracting of genes, you know? Um, but that, but that's like a, that's a broader curve though. You know what I mean? That like, I mean, yeah, the contracting of genes, you know, kind of came, came, into the early aughts and like, but maybe even peaked around 2010 though. You know what I mean? And like is only, is only begun to decline in the last couple of years. So 
you can't you can't even attach skinny jeans to the aughts because that has been like a 20 year curve right 20 year bell curve there um what do we say i can't i can't pull an outfit or like a fashion out of my mind to describe to you but i feel like there might be something more concrete there. But anyway, well, I wouldn't be nope. surprised if we can ad- eventually identify it because I think what my point is that I think it's actually coming into the consciousness as a much more defined thing than we believed it to be while we were going through it, you know, because yeah. I mean, I do, I, I look back on that time and I'm like, I mean, yes, I may, I, I, you know, I was just joking about us being on a lot of drugs. Right. But like, no, but really though, like the culture was different. Like, I mean, and it's it's funny to me because it feels like something that people would have said in the early 90s about, like, the 60s and 70s or something like that, right? But, like, the way that today's culture is, everyone is just trying to quit things. You know what I mean? Like, everyone is everyone's trying mm-hmm. to quit alcohol and quit coffee, and you can't do cocaine because there might be fentanyl in it, and, like... Weed is actually more accepted than it used to be, but but in but is it more used? I don't know. No, I, I kind of don't think so. It's legally accepted. I don't know. That, that's a that's a gray area that is worth further exploration. But like in any case, though, intoxication is a little bit out of fashion. It's definitely out of fashion with the youngest among us. Um, but you know, I mean, like I said, even among millennials, like there's the new. You know, I feel like there's somebody on my Facebook list who quits drinking every day. Um, <laughs> that's a that's an unscientific assessment, but it feels that way sometimes, right? That was not a thing in the aughts. That, that mm-hmm. that's one. This is just one example, but this is this is one thing that has been coming to mind a lot lately. Is that like everybody was getting fucked up, like, and it was very it was considered abnormal behavior to not be. Drinking heavy and or smoking and or, you know, smoking pot. Like, I mean, I don't know. Everybody was, I don't know. We were not, it was not as health conscious of a time. And it, intoxication was much more important. Um, health conscious in a different way. That was like, that was like the low sugar, you know, diets, right? Yeah, like diets, right. Diet. But not, like, not like your whole lifestyle. You didn't have to change right. your whole orientation to right. be, you know the optimal human you just bought some snack wells at the grocery correct. store correct you did weight watchers you know like things like that um the, yeah it's not and and the and running oh my god like you know i don't know people people who have only ever heard me talk about running and have only known me as an adult don't understand that some of my antipathy from running comes from experience you know i am a 4 year high school runner three seasons three seasons my freshman year all three two seasons my sophomore year one season my junior year half a season my senior year um so you can see there there was a if we graphed this out it would be a line (laughs) right and um running sucks um but running around the turn of the century in you know, going into the, you know, two of those years were in the aughts, right? It was, you know, I mean, jogging was a, considered a normal form of exercise, right? 
Um, but like running as a lifestyle, which, which you would sort of try to do if you were a cross country runner, you know what I mean? There were magazines and movies and, and things mm-hmm. like that. There was a culture around it. Um, but it was a fringe subculture. It was, it was way out there on the edge. And that is just not true anymore at all. We're, were ultra marathons a part of that, or is that a new thing? That's newer. I mean, it, that shit started with like the tough mutter shit, which came in like the second half of the aughts, right? So okay. people started doing these like weird, grueling, obstacle coursey things, right? And then it was like, well, why should we fuck around with this kid shit? Let's just run seven hundred miles. You know what I mean? Like, and. So, so yeah, so I don't, I don't think we saw the, granted, there were probably ultra marathon events, right? But mm-hmm. way out on the fringe. Right, right. Fringe activity, like not, not considered normal. And like, if somebody that you knew was doing it, I think it was more acceptable to be curiously skeptical of it than today where, you know, you give your unconditional congratulations. Yeah. On your immense performance. I first heard about this as a thing from uh, this high school classmate of mine who I've just like stayed in touch with on social media. And she just posted, you know, a few years ago that she was doing like this. It was like a 50 K maybe. And I, I really thought it wasn't real. Like I thought that was a typo or something. And then, so I was like, I got, what is she doing? And, you yeah. know, she's like literally running for an entire day and doing nothing else. And then she was posting about how, you know, her recovery and how much pain she was in and all the stuff she was eating. And I'm like, all right. <laughs> Pathological a little bit. Little. I mean, I thought, I thought the running culture was weird when I was, even when I was in it, you know, um, there were always lots of people who bought into it a little too hard. Um, I will say most of them don't run anymore that I know of. Um, there's one, there's one guy who was a buddy of mine who's definitely still a runner in his adult life. But isn't that interesting though, right? Um, it destroys say, your body. Oh yeah. It's bad for you guys. That's the other, I mean, that's the thing is it like, God almighty, if you're going to do an exercise, there's a lot of things that you can do. Um, but running isn't actually that good for you in terms of cost benefit and your other alternatives. Um, it's just not. It's very popular right now, though. But it isn't good for your joints. It's not even the best cardio that you can do. It's um, it's certainly it's not even close to like the best um, like leg exercise that you can do. Um, you're you're really only using like part of your leg. Um, I don't know. You don't have to do it, is what I'm saying. I don't know. But, I mean, and I'm not even really looking back and saying that the aughts were like an ideal time. Um, either because they weren't like, how did we get on running? How did we, they, they weren't. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not being nostalgic in the sense that I am calling for return. We should return to the nineties if we're going to return somewhere. Um, the peak of human civilization, but, uh, I am nostalgic for the, there was a wildness in the aughts that doesn't exist today. I don't think if COVID had happened in the aughts, I don't think that everyone would have listened the way that they listened in, in 2020. I really don't. There's no way I'll ever know that for sure. But I just don't think that like, I don't know what happened between like, I don't know, like 2006 sometime and 
2020, but like, I just don't think that even as recently as like 15, 16, 17 years ago, there was as much general insistence on everyone's part on everyone following the rules. Mm. I feel like it was much more accepted that we were all going to bend and break them sometimes. And I, I don't know what happened. What we became very Puritan and, and that, and I, I defend the Puritans against the slur, like the, I, the one I just made because they weren't even this bad. Facebook. In some happens. ways we were. And smartphones in our faces all the time happen. Like, I hate to be that, that person. And goodness knows I, I use my, you know, technology every day, all the time, like everyone else does. But that is the answer to your question about what happened in that time frame. That is what happened. But why did it have, why did it produce that effect? That's a, it's a deep question that I don't know if I'm prepared to answer. Is it, like, is it, just, is it just because we all are somehow aware that we are on display at all times, and thus we like must maintain appearances? I think so. I think so. Yeah, that's like the thought that I wasn't articulating. But yes, I think that that it's unsustainable. If, if so, it might be so. It might be so, and it's un, It's very unsustainable. People can't. Um. Because I'm very familiar with that concept, you know what I mean? Like, I, I mean, I have like a, a social media persona, you know, like I, I, I know, I, I know how to do it. Like, I know how to be watched and how people are watching. And like, I mean, it, we're on a show right now and all of this stuff, you know, but, but the, that's the funny thing to me, right? Is that like, I, doesn't everybody know that everyone knows that everyone's watching. And so you kind of know that like social media isn't 100% real and true right. and like, isn't that a th- part of it? Like it is for me. I don't yeah. know. Well, and, and, and right. And, and taking that point further, right. If you can understand that, that there's, there's even if, even if on social media, you are very close to actual truth, right. There's always going to be differences and the option for there to be as many differences as you would like there to be. Well, maybe not, it's not unlimited, but you have a range of differences that you can shape your online presence to be right. But you know, the fact of the matter is, though, beyond what we post and what we share, I mean, granted, there's security cameras everywhere, right? So, like, we're not going to be doing anything felonious, okay? But that, I think, I'm not talking about felonies, you know what I mean? Like, we're back in, back in the aughts. We weren't, we weren't cool with, like, you know, arson and grand theft, like, you know, you know what I mean? It wasn't shit like that. It was shit that the cameras wouldn't even catch today, right? So when we're talking about things that, like, you're not going to post, Right. And maybe nobody's even going to know. But still, the morality of being under the scope carries over into people's like full lives all the time. Mm-hmm. I think. You know, I feel like this is or like sickness. Michelle Foucault wrote about this or something. Maybe like the panopticon. Sure. I'm sure he did. I'm very poorly read in philosophy. I, I can go no further in my description of it, but I feel like yeah. drop that reference anyway. <laughs> I I give it to you. Absolutely. Well, I think it's um, like a, like a, you believe that this thing is watching you all the time, even yeah. though it's not real. And then you like, oh, yeah, right, right, right. There, there's the possibility that it can be watching you. Yeah. 
and the possibility is enough, even if like the possibility I think can be small in fact, but the, yeah, the presence of to, it. Yeah. Yeah. Is enough to, yeah, I guess. Okay. Yeah. All right. You never know. I mean, like everyone has a camera in their pocket too. So like, even if you're yeah. away from the security camera. No, I know. But like, you know, I mean, I don't just, know. Yeah. And, and I guess the other side of it too, is that even in my performative social media life, I don't hide that much about like the truth of what I think and do either. You know, I, I mean, <laughs> and that was just as true during the um, pandemic as any, as any other time I spent the whole time yelling at everybody. In fact, for being insane. Um, when it was very unpopular to do so. And I guess I don't expect everybody to do that. That's fine. Not everybody's like that. It's, it's not, not everybody has an Enneagram eight, but, um, <laughs> but, um, so that's fine. But like, I don't know, maybe like loosen up a little bit, like be a little bit less frightened of making a mistake. You know, I don't know. Maybe, I mean, I definitely think that's what it was. Like we were not, we were not that scared to like make big errors <laughs> 15 mm -hmm. years ago. Part of that's being young. I know that I'm, I'm almost 40 now. I'm in the responsible, um, you know, local burger phase of my life. Um, so yes, I'm not reckless anymore. And that's good. That's good for everybody. Um, <laughs> not in my opinion, but the truth. <laughs> it is better for me to be less reckless than I was in my twenties. Um, but, but as a society, we cannot be this cautious and reserved and, um, we gotta, you know, we gotta let our hair down a little bit sometimes, you know, Agreed. and we gotta let other people say the wrong things, you know, and live with them anyways. I think it's really totally important. Agreed. Yeah. Um, so there was your trip down into the, the mysterious realm of the, of the two thousands, um, which, which, but you know, like much of that to say though, I really do think that as time goes on, there's going to be much more of a sense of like, Oh yeah, the odds, you know? And I think it started with when people started, like when we got, cause once, Trump was in office, right? And we had had a president in between. That is like when it started making sense to be like, well, back in the Bush administration, you know, because mm -hmm. like usually when you say that, you're like talking about like in the past, but like not necessarily the last guy, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and so it started becoming more fashionable to refer to the Bush years. And then you're like, yeah, like the Bush years, God, man, that was a thing. That was a whole thing. Like, it was it was a, it was real different back then. Everything was different. Media was different. Um, the 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 way that we used the internet was different. Like we had social media for like the second half of it, but like not not like we do today, you know. And um, yeah, God, politics were different. Um, it, man, everything everything was different. And I think it's taken this time interval to go by before you can look back and be like oh man like it's so i've heard so many people complain that like culture and politics and stuff is like standing still and it's been like standing still since the late 90s but like i do not think that that's true i think it just looks like it's standing still when you're in it going back about like 10 years and you can't really see it until you're like 12 13 years out and then you're like wow 
You know? Do you that think was that's a weird always time. True? Do you think that was like true like 60s, 70s? <sighs> well, it definitely I, I think that I think that culture and like time period definition was certainly happening at a faster clip. And it was starker. You know, because you can. Like you can you can kind of like look at it and be like I mean, the further back you go, the less accurate, like, my pencil drawing will be. You know what I mean? But you can really kind of be like, all right, yeah, 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. Yeah. Each one, like, shifts at, like, the same time. To, and, like, really they all go from, like, the two-year to the two-year, you know? Like, the first couple years of every decade always yeah, belongs yeah, yeah. to the last decade, you know? Yeah. And it, it's, it, it's ne it never really changes on the zeros. And that's why I think it's actually important that we're seeing some of these things in 2022, yeah. because now we're really in the 20s, you know, going forward. Right. Um, Makes sense. Yeah. But I just, again, I just though, wonder if it felt that stark living, you know, it, it, it definitely looked wonder. dark to us, but I wonder. Yeah, you have to wonder. You stark. have to wonder because, I mean, yeah. It certainly looks different, looks very stark and different in retrospect, you know, and, and I mean, some of it is, well, I was going to say generational, but like in this case, right, like if you go say 60s to the 70s, you're talking intra-generational because you're talking older boomers versus younger boomers, you know, um, because older boomers were the 60s, right? But like my parents are still boomers by like six years mm -hmm. and they were 70s kids. You know, um, and they, you know, they, they were, they were kids. Well, I shouldn't say that. they were kids in the sixties, you know, but they came of age in the seventies and right. they, they have no, um, uh, association in, in their memories much with like hippiness or things like that. My dad did go to Janis Joplin's last concert as his first concert when he was 13 years old, uh, wow. with his older sister. Yeah, he, what's funny is he never learned that that was her. Like, this is how big of a fan of the '60s he was, right? He never learned that that was Janis Joplin's last concert until I told him it like a year or two ago, because I found it out by accident. Wow. Yeah. Um, like I knew, like all, like because I had always, I had always heard that he had seen her at um, Harvard Stadium in 1969, or or maybe it was 1970, whichever year it was that she died. And um, it was the documentary movie Festival Express, which is a very fun film if anybody hasn't seen it. It's very great. It's about um, all of these different 60s bands um, who got they rented out a Canadian national train. And it was a concert tour that was supposed to be like a traveling Woodstock that would go to all the Canadian major cities. Um, the concerts turned out to be a disaster and they didn't, they didn't even make it all the way across Canada. Like things went like very seriously wrong, but the way that they describe it in the film was that um, Woodstock is fondly remembered by the attendees, but the musicians were like miserable and terrified, right? The festival express tour, none of the attendees had a good time and some of them didn't even get a show but the musicians had a time of, had the time of their lives because they were just riding this train together, like playing songs and like having jam sessions in train cars. That's cool. Um, it is cool. And there's footage like there's there's footage of them like jamming out on the train. It's very cool. Um, so highly recommended to see. But at the end of that documentary, um, 
it must be 1970 because I think that's when it was set. That's when Festival Express set. Yeah, because Woodstock was 69, mm-hmm. Festival Express was 70. Janis Joplin died in like October. Um, but they, at the end of it, you know, they're giving you the words on the screen saying like, you know, this is what happened or whatever. And it was like, Janis Joplin died like two months later. And I don't remember if it mentioned that her last show was at Harvard, but it, I think it gave like the month and the year. And I was like, well, wait a minute. That's, that's, that has to be like when my father went, I went and looked it up and I was like, that was their last, her last show. Did you know? No idea. No idea. So that's, that's the extent to which these kids who like grew up in the sixties, but like were teenagers and young adults in the seventies weren't a part of all that. They had a whole different thing and they had different fashion and different, they all smoked pot still. Um, that was a common thing, but I don't know. Did weed ever really go away? I mean, like maybe in the eighties it became less fashionable. I don't know. I do think it was cooler to smoke pot in the aughts than it is now though, even though it's legal, which is weird. Like, it's like, um, like I like it's, it's less of a faux pas now to someone who doesn't smoke. You know what I mean? Like someone who doesn't smoke, isn't really allowed to shame me for smoking weed anymore. But I think that like less, a smaller percentage of people are actually smoking the hmm. weed. You know, that's that's how I would break it down. I feel like you could probably, there's, you know, producer Jim could probably pull something up on that. I feel like that's probably. the kind of information that. Yeah. And I, I also wonder too, if, you know, some of the hat, like it, it might not be true in just like some of the habits have changed. Right. Because I definitely think that there's some older folks who have started buying it from border border area dispensary since recreational has become legal and since um the variety of edibles and even drinkable cannabis has expanded like some people really like that you know and so i think that the audience has expanded in that regard so i guess i don't know maybe if you added up all of the users of cannabis maybe it's not different but i guess in terms of like Back in those days, like groups of people would like leave the bar together to go and like get high. Like, does that still happen? Like, I don't, I don't know. How often are you at the bars though? Not often enough to really be able to answer that question. Hmm. You know, it doesn't seem like it to me though. In any case, all of this conversation like has me feeling very nostalgic and wistful yeah and it's just like fall is as michael scott said the most contemplative season um so here we are <laughs> i know the, all these small changes going on and we're like and you know what else changed we got old time it's way more than you even think <laughs> yeah yeah, well, I think that I think that these are good things for everyone to consider um, as we go in, and and you know, I'm glad we I'm glad we ended up talking about this because you know, frankly, guys, the the Peterborough Facebook group after its you know gigantic leap in activity around you know the bathroom thing and like many other things, like everyone just at each other's throats one week, and then the next week it was like endless jokes about the about the. Uh, uh, self-referential jokes like the whole the whole page the whole feed was just posts as self-referential jokes about the group 
you know, which is funny a couple of times, not funny 27 times in a row. It wasn't really funny even a couple of times, actually. Um, but we'll, we'll allow it a couple of times. And then after that, like, it's just terrible. And ever since then, it has gone back to where we were. I want to say we talked about it on the program maybe four to six weeks ago. We were like, no activity. Uh, yeah. But it is, um, you know, speaking of the fall and everything, though, um, we had a nice time at the Temple Harvest Festival. That's that's my favorite existing fall festival in this region. It just has such a nice vibe to it. Yeah. Nice cider. Yep. Temple band. Yep. Yeah, we were um, we were positioned right next to our. We were selling books, and um, we were we were right behind this the gigantic Temple Democrats tent, and we were right next to the um, child soldiers. And then we you had an I American mean, flag I mean. artisan on the other yeah. side. So yes, um, American well flag artisan. Yeah, it's nice. You know, every town has. Um, and, and I do like this. I do. I do like this. Like, you know, much as we talk about, like, we want Peterborough to have everything in some ways. I like it that every town kind of has like a thing, you know, like Francistown has the Labor Day parade. No one else. No one else can or should take Labor Day away. Um, now, harvest festivals, that's not a particular day. I think that it's perfectly fine to have multiple very good ones. And I kind of think it's a shame that Peterborough doesn't have one. But Temple at this point, I think, owns that more or less owns the mm -hmm. fall festival. Um, thing in this area um only greenville has a pots and pans fourth of july parade oh, that and that's kind of their big thing for the year yeah you can't touch that mm -mm. nope um but somebody you you mentioned this earlier somebody did ask on the peterborough page about um peek into peterborough mm -hmm. which you said you never had gone to right apparently not Apparently not. I'm a, I'm a, I think I always wanted to maybe, and I just didn't, didn't get to it, but I did, I was not aware of exactly really what it was Yeah. until well, Zoe explained it to me. We went, I guess in 2019 was the last time they had it. And it was, it was nice. There was like a little hayride through downtown and there were little performances. I remember seeing the dance studio, you know, kids like out in Depot square, like doing some cool dance things and, I remember getting like free chocolates from Ava Marie's. There was all kinds of like little, little stops and stations that you could go around. I remember it being nice. Um, but that is gone. Tell us why it's gone. This is, well, just, I according, like this. According this to, to somebody on Facebook, I forgot who said it. Um, it yeah. used to be run by the uh, Peterborough Chamber of Commerce, the greater Peterborough Chamber of Commerce. And now that, the Greater Peterborough Chamber of Commerce has been swallowed by the Keen and Peterborough Chamber. They don't feel like we deserve a fall festival anymore. They took that from us. Does Keen have one? I I totally stopped keeping track of Keen events altogether. Um, I don't know that they have a a fall or harvest specific festival but i mean i think i think they might be bringing pumpkin fest back this year and they do oh, yeah, like the teen so. music fest i think is september um so they do a bunch of like little downtown fests um at least one or two in the september october area but um you know this is my 
you know, it's what you weren't trying to trying to suppress. Uh, I told you so. Um, I, I don't know. This is just, uh, you know, Hunter Thompson used to say this um, Latin phrase all the time um, that I guess is sometimes um, thrown around in, in, in court. Um, and I, I may bungle the pronunciation because actually you're much better at pronouncing Latin than I am. But um, re ipsa loquitur, um, which just means the thing speaks for itself. Um, mm. Mm. It's a good I phrase. don't know how much I really need to add to that um <laughs> our objections to the chamber of commerce being based in Keene <laughs> have been um they're, they're on the record um <laughs> this seems like a phenomenal example of exactly what we said <laughs> and we didn't go looking for it or think that this is just a conversation that happened on the peterborough page um where it was just like Question, answer. Oh, hmm. Hmm. Um, hmm. Uh, uh, so, um, <laughs> like, listen, you, I will say this again, and, and I'm not sure if we put it, and I'm, I'm not sure if I put it exactly in these terms last time, last time and that's the only reason that I'm going to say it. Um, I think that the only way to have a mind in which it is better to have a greater Keene and Peterborough Chamber of Commerce combined is if your vision, and this is what I was trying to say at the time, and I tried to, I actually did, I didn't try, I did explain this to Luca on Facebook in writing. He was invited on the show and did not accept, even though he said he wanted to talk about this. But this comes down to competing visions about what this area looks like today and what it's going to look like tomorrow. And this combined Chamber of Commerce only makes sense if your vision is for the cultural hub to be keen and Peterborough to be sort of like a rich boutique suburb, you know, with the expectation that if people in the rich boutique, older suburb want to do anything, you know, kind of like hip or festival-ish or whatever, they should drive the 30 minutes to, to Keene, you know, and indulge in that there. And then if people from Keene want to do like, art tours um or you know whatever else they come here to do uh, i'm not sure how they it's confusing to me a little bit how they see us and i lived there for a while and and i mean my experience was that they don't see us at all mm. my experience in living in Keene is that and and this is part of why i always object to Keen Keen's claim to being part of the Monadnock region because the people in Keen do not see themselves or behave as if they are in the same region as Jaffrey and Peterborough, mm. which to me is the core of the Monadnock region. So like they don't they don't see a link. They don't think about they don't 
Some of them probably don't know where it is. I know that sounds extreme, but if you haven't lived in Keene, it is hard, it is impossible to underestimate the amount of people who live there who truly, truly do not leave town. Like, do not leave. Or if they do, it's like for a trip, like a day trip or like a something, but like not as a matter of course. They don't leave Keene. And so they don't they don't come here. They don't know about it. I don't know. So I don't know why they would want to be partnered with us. But if they did, it's probably because they see us as this like quaint mountain town that would be like a really good like satellite in its orbit. Right. Mm. And that's just not my vision of the future at all. It's it's quite contrary to it. And I think I think it is contrary if if you really interrogate your own beliefs to the way that most people around here feel. Um, because that is not the impression that I get from talking to a wide variety of people that they, they wish to be a satellite of Keen. Um, that's not, I really don't, I don't think about or go to Keen, you know, like I, I don't think about them either. Like Keen is just, yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's It's not, it's a a different place. It's a different thing. Yeah, it is. It's a different place. Like, I just, uh, yeah. Um, so that's all that really needs to be said. The, the fact that we don't have a fall festival in Peterborough because we don't have a chamber of commerce. I mean, listen, I don't, and, and, and I want to be clear because people sometimes get confused about this. And, and I, I may have said it before, but I'll probably say this multiple times because I think People don't always understand it. Obviously, the Chamber of Commerce is there to represent businesses, and businesses pay to be members of the Chamber. And I am not speaking from the perspective of the business owners. I am speaking from the perspective of the consumers and of the residents. And so that, so obviously, so just by by definition, I have different interests than any Chamber of Commerce, even a Peterborough Chamber of Commerce, in theory. Me and them might have different interests sometimes um, where the interests of businesses and consumers don't align, which they don't always. Um, And as we saw with that whole shoe debacle. uh, No, I'm just kidding. Um, That that is not an example of that. (laughs) um, uh, So I don't think. And I don't think the consumers broadly have any use for an organization that like drives around to different restaurants and tells why people should eat there. I mean, I know if I had a restaurant, yes, I would want the marketing, of course, you know, like everyone does. But like, guys, if you have a restaurant, like nobody's reading these fucking things. I mean, maybe some people are. I don't know. But that's not what we're here for. Anyways. Anyways, um, Roy, I don't know if we're li- you're listening, but like, let's do a fall thing next year. Um, this seems like a natural um, thing to do. I don't know. I'll, I'll send you a real email, though, in case you don't listen to every word we say on the podcast. Um, but yeah, let's let's fix this. Peterborough. Te- I mean, great. I'm not in, a, in, in this regard. I'm certainly not trying to steal from Temple's glory either. We shouldn't try to replicate what they're doing or whatever. We should do something different. But. 
Peterborough ought to have something. It's just like when Peterborough doesn't do anything for like the 4th of July or like all those other things. Like why? Like these, like some of these things are things that every town should do a little something, even if you're not trying to make that your trademark thing. Um, mm. you know, and we are big enough, like, you know, um, there's probably some people who are like, yeah, but like, you know, our day is children of the arts and it's bigger than all of the things that I just mentioned. And that's true, but we are also big enough and we have enough, um, enough of a cultural well to draw from and enough of a spirit of celebration that we can definitely do that multiple times a year. There's absolutely, we are definitely, uh, Temple has 1,000 people in it, you know, and they do actually do a really good job on the 4th of July as well as Harvest Festival. So yeah. they're pulling it off, pulling off a couple good events, you know, um, 1,000 people, you know, and we've got six times that and a better downtown, honestly. We can do more. We can do better. We will. Festivals are important. And I think that the more people that are exposed to that kind of thing, like we did, a um, today is actually Michaelmas. Um, anybody who's ever known a Waldorf person has probably heard of Michaelmas. Um, if you're like a British person in the 1800s, you've probably also heard of Michaelmas. Um, celebration of... Like you're super religious and do like your feast days. All the feast days, because the you know this isn't even like a real big one, you know. Um, well, you really got to be like Saint Michael and all angels. Someone knows that, right? I mean, they like if if you go to daily mass, they will observe the mass of that, you know. But it's not a holy day of obligation or anything. Like nobody, <laughs> you know, there's nothing that anybody has to do. But anyways, um, that's today, and uh, we think it's actually a very important thing that you it should be a day of obligation. Um, but we had like a little just backyard um, feast festival um, to celebrate that included, you know, singing and a play put on by children. It was delightful. They rehearsed it. And like there was even a, <laughs> frankly, it could have passed for like an expertly choreographed fight scene. It was kind of remarkable. Um, and um you know a a little ritual component and in a and a magical toast before we ate some very fine smoked meat and, and among other things uh i i think because i've i've been the reason that i do things like that is because i've been looking for things like that for many many years since since the aughts since the fucking bush administration you know um i've been looking for that stuff you know since you know since we were doing drugs in the bathroom, you know what I mean? Like, this is what I was really looking for. I had, a, you know, the, they were right. I had a hole inside and I was trying to fill it with the wrong things. And, you know, but what I was really craving was things like um, celebration and, and festival and things like that. And so it took a really long time to get to a place where it seemed possible to, to actually do these things. But I think, and I think you'll agree that, um, what we found in, in doing things like that. And I think, honestly, this is, I think this is just as true with things like the night market and children of the arts day, as it is with like a backyard, um, Michaelmas thing, um, or, or some of the other things like that, that we try to do. But when people are exposed to, um, seasonal marking festivals, festivals in general, 
you know, especially if they have a traditional or ritual component, you know, something that stays consistent year to year, um, something that can be returned to again and again, and something that is shared. You know, it, it, it is everything I'm describing. None of it can be done online. None of it can be done with our phones. So I guess in a way, this is almost intrinsically tied. It does, it does harken back to everything we've been talking about, about this earlier time, because we have to figure out how to make use of the things that we've gained since then while um, negating the negative influences of the, the negative things we've gained since then. And so, so this is a very in-person thing. This is impossible to do online. This is, you know, um, but, but the observance and the, the full, the full celebration of festivals like this is, is seems to be a thing that people crave when, when they are exposed to them, they seem to want more in my experience. I, I believe it's a human birthright and that it's yeah. deeply in our bones. So that's no surprise. I do too. I think it's, I think it's intrinsic to our existence and, you know, we can, and we will continue doing these types of things privately, but because we do firmly believe that this is, it's a universal need. Um, it's something that everybody is looking for in one way or another, or at least enough of a majority that like the people who aren't looking for it can just look the other way, you know what I mean? Or should, um, if they don't like it, whatever. Um, fine. Um, I, I have been told that by multiple sources that sometimes the downtown businesses don't enjoy downtown festivals. I think that's a shame. I think that's short-sighted. I'm sorry that they feel that way. I'm interested in knowing what could be done to make them better and, and more, you know, cooperative, I guess, but I don't think that anybody should stand in the way of these things. So all that to say, I do think it's also in the public interest, um, civically and culturally to have these things. And so we will also do the best that we can to, to bring them to people. And, you know, and, and I'll just share this one last piece is that like, I don't know if it's a fall um, celebration or what, but like we, ever since we went to this historical reenactment thing in Hillsboro um, a month or so ago, you know, we met, there's, there's like this whole gang of people that, that do Romans. And they dress the part. They know the part. It's like, you know, if you've ever been to uh, Plymouth Plantation or Old Sturbridge Village, um, they're like that, but they travel. And so they have, they, they travel with tents and there was, there's Vikings that do the same thing. There were even more Vikings. I, I'm, it's, it's, it's because of my heritage. I'm, I'm just a little more partial to the Romans than I am the Vikings. Um, but there were actually the Viking group was a little bit bigger and they had more stuff and they, they seemed to be a little bit more in depth. But in any case, ever since we encountered this, we are searching for the right time and the right occasion to bring the Romans to downtown Peterborough, to bring the Vikings to downtown Peterborough, probably not even on the same time either. Uh, I think that they each deserve their moment in the spotlight. Yeah. We don't want to, so, it's not, it's not about being a reenacting festival. It's about bringing the Romans to Peterborough, you know, that, that's correct. That is, it's very different. It's very different. So, you know, just consider that among one, one, you know, one of the dozens of exciting things that we have plans in the, in the long-term future around these parts. Um, 
But yeah, so general episode this week. Not a lot of news, not a lot of drama. Maybe that's good. Maybe that's good. Um, not just so good for of, the film police chief. Of- I'm God, but <laughs> we don't need to get into that. He was stealing time, committing a felony. Um, to me, it seems like he was just greasing the wheels a little bit. I don't know. Far be it for me to be a to go to bend over backwards to defend the the armed authority figures always, but I don't know. It was, you know, it was a felony. Come on. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, we don't we don't need to. We don't have time to get into that, unfortunately. Um, so, in any case, thank you for staying with us. Uh, hopefully, we didn't lose too many of the of the Sam stands. Um, that that you know constantly write to us their love poetry and and send obscene things um, expressing their their love for Sam. Hopefully, we kept some of you, even though he has left. Um, but um, all of you who are here, thank you for coming along for this ride. I think this was a lot of fun. We want to give a special thanks to our producer and sound lord, the one and only Chad Patterson, who, to the best of my knowledge, is planning to stick around. Um, for the foreseeable future, you can check him out and get any audio needs, any production or mixing or consultation or setup, any of the things um, it, like, look, if you're somebody like me and you're just, even if you have like a small comprehension of audio matters, but you know what? You're just not an audio guy. You've never been in a band. You've never run a soundboard. Like you've never um, really done anything complicated on a thing. Whatever it is that you don't know how to do or like maybe you just like you're like, yeah, I could watch these like three hours of YouTube tutorials and I could probably bust it out myself. But maybe you just, you know, don't want to spend three hours doing that and then doing the work. He can tell you how to do it like and he can do it himself. He's got Studio 117.net to there to service all of those needs. Um, And he's also in, you know, a lot of people don't know this. He's You know, he's actually in two bands. No. Yeah, he's in he's in so the preeminent dad rock band of Southern New Hampshire down by 10, which by the time you hear this too late to go see him on 101 at um Riley's place, but um I'm certain that you missed a good time if you did not go there. Um down by 10. They can do any cover from like the 60s. They, it's actually funny though. They they <laughs> uh speaking of the definition of the odds their description is that they can do covers from the sixties to the, the zero zeros. Um, so they're, they're not really promising to go beyond the Bush administration or at least Obama's first term. Um, so the good old days, uh, <laughs> kind of, um, but, uh, they're playing all over. They're booking up the calendar all the way through to the end of the year and beyond. Um, but they'll play your party. They'll play your, um, their, your, your corporate, um, non-denominational holiday festival. They will, um, one of these days we'll get them down to Peterborough. Um, they, um, but they're for hire and they're great. And everyone who's seen them loves them. And so we've got a link to that in the show notes as well. You can go to their Facebook page. Um, and it's, uh, it's highly recommended that you do so, but he is also in a, um, a Christian worship band called Salt and Light, um, which mm-hmm. I um, they even played at Hampton Beach this year. Um, wow! Yeah, as part of something. 
Um, he, the man never stops, huh? The man never stops. Yeah, he's yes, he he's yes. We we have that in common, I think. Um, and uh, yeah, and I and I like that. I I really like the name of that Did band you too. You know, you know, the salt of the earth, the light of the world. You know, um, it's what we should all strive to be, regardless of our um, specific religious persuasions. Uh, that's our show for this week, and we will return in uh, next week. With did we announce who is coming on next week? Did we? Did I think we already it's official enough, isn't it? Yeah, it's official. I was just I was just wondering if we'd said it earlier showing up, but our our no, old buddy didn't. John Palmucci, who we um, in the early days of Manadnock Underground, we just um, whenever he wrote in, we gave him a column and we just titled it New Jersey. Um, he he is as far as we are concerned, he is the New Jersey ambassador to Peterborough, at the very least to the Manadnock. Um, to all the towns covered by Go Manadnock. And so he's going to join us for a full episode. We're really, really excited about that. Um, And and we're going to start bringing on um, a a whole bunch of really fun characters, not to be interviewed, but to join us in the fun commentary of our times. We'll see you next time. Uh, I think we've given you a lot to chew on while you're doing so. And until we all come back together again, please do us all a favor. Take good advice. We'll see you in the lounge next time.